Hello, my name's Blair Murphy, and this is The Bishop's Office, a podcast where I talk to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints about their conversion, missionary service, and life experiences. Today, I'm speaking to Meredith Orth about her mission in Perth. I hope you enjoy it. Right, well, it's good to catch up with you today, Meredith, to talk about your life and your missionary service. How are you? Good, thank you. Introduce yourself to us. What should we know about you, where you grew up, how you grew up? Fill us in a bit on that. Well, my name is Meredith Orth. I was Meredith Henderson. I grew up pretty much Elizabeth for most of my life. Um, my parents are both members of the church, and I served a mission in Western Australia from 1998 to 2000. Came home, got married, had kids, the regular, you know. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. So served in WA. And so what physical area does the um, Perth mission take up when you serve? Does it just all western side of the country? Yes, all Western Australia, yes. Okay, cool. Well, I look forward to hearing a little bit more about that when we get to that stage. Um, you talked about your parents both being members of the church growing up in the gospel. What was your relationship with your Heavenly Father like growing up? Did you have experiences that let you know that he was there? Um, yeah, I guess I did. When I was younger, um, I was quite young and I had German measles and that's when I remember my first blessing from my dad. I was really sick and night sweats and yeah really bad fever and everything and my dad gave me a blessing and then I was able to sleep through the night and eventually I got better from that when I was 11 my parents separated so I went to two different wards I went to Elizabeth Ward and Marion Ward and I found Marion Ward really uh, welcoming I guess and that's probably when I met my two best friends there in Marion Ward Mm -hmm. and I Thought that that's kind of when I developed my testimony was during those years. I don't think I had one big conversion story. It was little by little and I just kind of knew that it was true. There was no big feeling or experience. It was just, you know, this is true. And so was a mission always on the cards for you? Is it something that you thought you'd like to do? Yeah, ever since I was in primary school, I always wanted to serve a mission and most people thought that I never would. I'd probably get married or do something else. But, yeah, never left my mind. I always wanted to serve a mission and did. Where did that desire come from, do you think? I actually have no idea. Um, When I was younger, my sister was actually a really good missionary. She's younger than I am. And she would talk to her teacher when she was in primary school about the Nephites and about the Lamanites. And she gave her a Book of Mormon. And I guess that kind of inspired me to... Um, share the gospel as well. I wasn't very forthcoming with my voice. I was very, very quiet and timid. But once I was on mission, that all changed. So that was good. Tell me about receiving your mission call then. Yeah, that was good. Um, It came in the mail on a Thursday like it did back then. And I opened it up. And the only place I did not want to serve was Perth. And I think that's because I had that feeling that that's where I was going. So I was kind of I don't know, in denial maybe. I always wanted to go to New Zealand, but because John was already serving there, I really didn't want to go there then. But Perth felt right when I got the call. And so going to Perth, that means you went to the New Zealand MTC. What was that experience like? That was great. I had never been out of the country before, so that was really exciting. I went on the plane, um, met some missionaries who were going to be in the MTC with me in Melbourne, and then we flew to New Zealand, MTC, 
and it was fantastic. First time I went through the temple was with MTC buddies and it was really exciting. It was kind of intense because you were always learning about something. There was no really off time apart from like, you had a pee hour every now and then, which was where you played sport. But I think the thing for me was the feeling of camaraderie with the other elders and sisters who were learning how to get themselves in order to serve a mission. Now, there's something powerful about everyone being on the same page in that environment, isn't there? That's right, yeah. So you've been in the MTC, had this great experience, and then you're just about to enter the mission field. How would you have described your testimony at that point? Did you feel comfortable about the fact that you were going to be, you know, meeting people on the street, knocking on doors and professing the truth of this church? I think I was a bit nervous because, like I said, I wasn't one to speak in front of people. But having that MTC experience where you get to talk to all the students who attended that school um, was really good for me because I had never given a talk to so many people before and I was asked to give one of the final talks and I found that I could actually talk, that a voice could be heard and that the feelings that were inside of me could actually come out through my words and it was, you know, an experience I'd never had before. So I had kind of an understanding of what I'd be doing but also a knowledge that I could actually do it as well. Yeah, so your confidence is growing through those experiences. Um, so how did you find adjusting to missionary life? Um, I had no expectations, so that was kind of good. I think the rules were kind of really strict, so it was obvious what you had to do, what you weren't allowed to do. So I didn't mind any of that. The early mornings I was not a big fan of, but that's because I don't sleep very well at night time, so I didn't like getting up. But apart from that, yeah, it was great. Um, and as you reflect on your mission, who are the people that you remember you know, most often and, and what were the experiences that surrounded you meeting them? Definitely my mission president and sister Robinson. They were absolutely amazing. They always treated us like their own children. So they were really special. That was, um, we were their first MTC intake. So we were all new together. So they were learning, we were learning. And they really took us under their wing. They were just like family. When they finished their mission, they did like a tour of Australia. So they came to our house and met Talia as a baby. So that was exciting. The people we taught, I guess, the different ways that we found people to teach and just the way that they could find the truth, even though they had no idea about it beforehand and they could change their lives around, that was really inspirational to me. A family that we didn't find, they found us. Uh, they had a four-year-old daughter and she was asking about Easter and what it all meant and they knew a family who weren't attending church but were members of the church who also had a three-year-old daughter and they thought that they'd just call us out to their house and we'd have a chat about Easter, let them know what it was all about, who Jesus was and what he did for us and eventually they all got baptised and became members of the church uh, he took a, a while longer, the husband took a while longer to get baptised because he wanted to be absolutely 100% sure. But it was just through four-year-old children. You just don't know who's ready or when they're ready. You've just got to be open to the experience and just let it all happen. They were really happy people to begin with, but I just saw them become happier and closer. And, yeah, that's the only way I can describe it. They were just so much happier because of the knowledge that they were loved, they were sent here for a purpose, they were going to be a family forever. And 
they were just so happy about it all. It was wonderful. And sort of seeing that and I guess other experiences that you had, how did that change your testimony and, and what you knew of your relationship with your Heavenly Father, just seeing the impact of the gospel in people's lives? Uh, it just made everything stronger. My feelings of the gospel, of the knowledge and the power of the gospel in my life was just so heightened at that time, I think, because I was able to do the work that I wanted to do, but also the work that Heavenly Father wanted me to do. And just looking forward to every day because I didn't know what it would bring, whether it would be knocking on doors or people bumping into us or folding laundry for a new mother who thought that she wasn't even on the scale of um, Heavenly Father's love at all and just knowing that she was loved because he sent us to her. Just those little things were just uh, big things in my testimony, I guess. Yeah, I love that. And you're sort of mentioning um, a couple of ways that the Lord was able to to use you and your companion um, to, to do his work and to show his love, right? Are there experiences that taught you in particular ways that the Spirit speaks to you? I'm still unsure about the way the Spirit speaks to me because usually it's just feelings of knowing what I should do. Some people have the feelings like warm and fuzzy and all that type of thing. I don't really get that. It's just kind of uh, a knowing of this is right or this is what you should do or, yeah, that's really it for me. Tell me about your companions. Was there any lessons in particular that you learned from one companion or another um, remind you of an experience that you could share? Oh, lots of experiences with companions. I had 11 companions, I think, in um, 19 months because I trained quite a bit, which was good for me because I really enjoyed having new missionaries come out and just seeing their enthusiasm and happiness and zest and excitement to start sharing the gospel and I really loved my trainer she was fantastic she was very organized and happy and she was American and just a lovely person and I think every companion brought something different to me having a companion 24 hours a day was very hard for me as well because I wasn't used to that and I did like my privacy and crazy different things happened my first companion in my first area um, we were house-sitting for a member and we were in a little flat off the side of their house. And it's just funny the things that people don't know or do know about life because I think serving a mission really opens your eyes to everything. The first night I was there, this cat jumped up on my bed and it slept on my feet and I was fine with that. Obviously, I'm an animal person. But in the morning, my companion just said to me, do you make funny noises when you sleep? Because she had never heard a cat purr. So she thought that I was making noises while I was sleeping. It was the cat. So just being aware that not everyone has the same experience and knowledge, that, that really helped me, I think, to become um, less judgmental and more open-minded towards different people. That's hilarious that she thought you were pairing in your sleep. Um, were there hard times on your mission? Um, lots of hard times. Coming out of the MTC, there were seven of us altogether. The sister that I was serving with in MTC, she went up to Broome, so I didn't see her for a long time. But was an elder who I was really close with in the MTC, and he served in the area next to me, and we went to a zone conference together. He had only been a member of the church for a year beforehand, and he had a girlfriend at home in Queensland. His family were not members of the church. 
and he just halted everything because he knew the church was true, desperately wanted to serve a mission. So he went to the MDC. He served in Rockingham. I was in Mandurah and he had burst his eardrum and he couldn't hear out of it at all. And it was quite funny because I was talking to him about how he was going in Rockingham with his companion. Everything was pretty normal. And the next week I had a phone call from my mission president and he talked to my companion and I just remember her saying that it was the worst news she'd ever heard in her life. And she handed the phone over to me and he told me that Odomolevsky had been hit by a car and killed. Because of his perforated eardrum, he didn't hear the car coming and they were crossing the road with their bikes and there was a drunk driver and they were racing in the streets and he got hit by the car and he landed on a member's front yard and he died straight away. So that would fart his thing. Even though that happened, that opened a lot of doors to us as well because it was on the news, everybody knew about it, everyone was inviting us in their homes, seeing how we were and it's like that was what he was sent here to do was to share the gospel in that small way. He was only here for such a little while but it made a big impact on that whole mission, um, not only the missionaries and the members but all of the community as well. So that was really cool. And I know that maybe he needed that MTC experience so he could go on to teach people after this life because he was an awesome teacher and he was always happy and wanted to serve. So it was hard, but it was really amazing as well. I love that you've drawn out some of the lessons that you took at the time and, and retrospectively from that experience. How did you feel the Lord's help and comfort? I think it was through the community, the way they opened their doors and their hearts to the missionaries, especially us. Everyone was willing to talk to us. They wanted to talk to us. They would stop us and talk to us, make sure we were okay. And they were all complete strangers. They had no idea who we were or where we were from, just that we were members of the church and our friend had passed away. So I think that really comforted me that these people who didn't necessarily agree with what we were saying and what we were teaching were still looking out for us. How do you think you're different because of your missionary service? As a person, my confidence grew a lot because I was constantly talking to people who I didn't know about something I truly believed in and wanted to share with people. My testimony grew because I was sharing it every day, every minute, and I think my trust in the Lord grew a lot as well because I was relying on him constantly for everything that I had at that time. Mm. Um, so you came home and um, you got things going again with John and uh, we're glad that you did. Um, you're a great family and we, we love you and your, your kids. One of the other experiences that I thought um, might be worth touching on is over the last few years um, you've had an accident that's led to some really trying times. How do you feel about sharing with us what happened and, you know, what you've been through in the last couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's cool. Um, we were out uh, with a family, two families, and we were just went to the playground and all playing around. I went to go down a big slide and went down and I felt this pain in my stomach I just felt really, really sick and I kind of 
skidded to a halt and didn't want to get up or move because I just knew something was wrong. And I had hyperflexed my leg upwards towards me. It got caught in the roof of the slide and I had just smashed the top of my tibia. It just crushed. And so I got to the bottom and I just called out for help and John came down and helped me. And he actually thought that nothing was wrong. So he said, oh, you've just jarred it. Let's, let's get up and get moving. I said, no, I've definitely done something. I'm not moving. And after a while, we got uh, Sam Rice to come over, who's a surgeon. And he said, yeah, that's not looking good. So we called an ambulance. They came out. And then we had to call the SES because of where the slide was. They had to come and remove me from the slide to go to the ambulance. And we ended up at Modbury Hospital, then Ashford Hospital, and I had major surgery on my knee. It was a bicondylar tibia plateau fracture. So both sides of the tibia at the top were crushed and I had bone graft, plates, and pins and screws all put into my leg and wasn't able to walk at all for six weeks. Then it took a while to get the muscles moving and get back walking again. And from then on, the last four years, I've had six different surgeries and still trying to fix it up. I had a surgery last week and didn't go as planned. So, yeah, it's just a constant source of frustration at the moment that this knee won't get better. But at the same time, I'm really grateful that it was me and not one of the kids that it happened to. And I'm really grateful for all the amazing medical advancements in days gone by, I would never have been able to use my leg again. It would, just wouldn't have worked. So the tibia yeah. leaves sort of the shin bone that rises up to the knee, is that the yeah, bone? Yeah, so everything behind the knee. So the lower bone behind the knee was all smashed at the top, yeah. yeah. And I've got to have a knee replacement done soon. After many of these surgeries, you talk about not being able to walk, but you're actually sort of restricted to your bed most of the time, aren't you? Um, it must be really challenging and, and lonely not being able to get up and, and, and do the things that you'd normally do and connect with people and things. How's that experience been and, and how have you felt God's help as you're, as you're struggling with this really difficult thing? It has been very lonely. Um, being stuck in bed and not being able to do the normal things every day is extremely frustrating. At the same time, I'm really grateful for the people who have supported me and helped me because it has made such a huge difference. And I've realised that I can't actually do everything by myself. I'm a very stubborn person and I hate asking for help. I'm not someone who would do it lightly. So it's taught me patience, I guess, and taught me that I do need to rely on other people. I can't do everything by myself. It's just not a possibility. It's been a very frustrating time, I guess. Well, you're still in the midst of it and we, um, we wish you well in your upcoming surgeries and hope that you'll finally get back to a place where you've got some sort of normalcy. I'm conscious that some people listening to this may be in the midst of a trial, one, one form or another, whether it be sort of physical, spiritual or, or whatever. What advice would you have for someone who might be in a similar situation to you've found yourself and are still in and being able to cope? I think taking every hour by every hour has been the best for me, not thinking necessarily about tomorrow, but about what you're going to do right this second that will help you or help your family because 
And now is the only time that you have. So it doesn't really matter about what's happened in the past or what may happen in the future. You just have to focus on the immediate um, happenings in your life. Well, it's been um, great catching up with you, Meredith, and hearing about your experiences. Maybe just to close, would you mind sharing your testimony with us? Sure. I've really enjoyed growing up in the church. I'm not sure if I would have found it on my own. Um, I've seen so many blessings in my life and in the lives of other people because of the power of the priesthood, because of their faithfulness and because of the love that they have for their Heavenly Father. And I'm grateful that I can have my children raised in the gospel because I see the benefits in their lives because of the gospel, because of their friends, because of their standards and their values. And I also know the importance of not judging other people just because they're different from us and respecting other people. I think that's a huge part of my testimony is being respectful of others and finding the common good and knowing that our Heavenly Father will sort everything out in the end. That's the thing I value most. No, that's great. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time. It's been great hearing about your mission in Perth and um, a little bit more about your life. Thank you for taking an interest. Well, it was great to get to know Meredith a little bit better and hear about her mission in Perth and some of her experiences since. That's all I have for you today until I speak to you again here in the Bishop's Office.